Hello and welcome to The Book Album, your place for everything related to reading and language. I'm your host, Mackenzie Gens. Now, bookmark that book and let's begin. Hello, hello and welcome to the show. Hello and herzlich willkommen zu unserem Podcast. So excited to bring another Charles Dickens novel to you all today. This one is Martin Chuzzlewit by Charles Dickens. There's a longer title, which I'm going to leave out for the sake of simplicity, but Martin Chuzzlewit, Charles Dickens. This is another one of the novels that we were supposed to go over last December and did not, and I'm grateful that I read this book several months ago and I'm now bringing it to you all. It took me a long time to not only read this book, it took me, I think, three months or four months total to read it, but also to process it, to kind of leave it on the back burner for a while. Whenever I do a podcast, I want to do it about books that I am just fired up about and that I love. And so doing this podcast on Martin Chuzzlewit today means that finally I have kind of this revived interest and love in the novel, um, enough for me to present the book today. Um, and that's not to say, by the way, that all of the books on here I am completely in love with. It's just that there's got to be some sort of like internal or external motivation to review a podcast or review a book on the podcast, rather. And uh, without that, the episodes are not very entertaining, I have found. <laughs> so I hope you enjoyed this episode, Martin Chuzzlewit by Charles Dickens. Let's get into some biographical information. By the way, allergies still on the rise. I have not been able to secure my allergy medication, so my voice is going to maybe cut in and out. Uh, if it gets too bad, I'll just pause and restart the episode or restart the recording at a later date. We're going to see how this goes. <laughs> but if there's any, like, flemminess or something, please know I'm trying to manage it best I can and not have it show up on the recording. So some biographical information. This was Charles Dickens's sixth novel that he wrote. He wrote it after a one-year hiatus, which he took from writing, from quote-unquote from writing, uh, to visit America. I say quote-unquote because he wrote American Notes in October of 1842, which is shortly before he started the serialization for this novel in January of 1843. And the serialization for Martin Chuzzlewit went from this January of 1843 date through to July of 1844, so very typical of his other novels, perhaps a bit of a shorter length, only 18 months, rather than a novel like Bleak House, which took um, a bit longer to complete. Charles Dickens was not an America fan, although he did return in 1867 to do a very long and trying book tour, which I was surprised to have read. All of this biographical information, by the way, uh, can be found on the show notes for this episode, relevanceofliterature.com slash notes. There's a bunch of links there from Britannica and from the Brit uh, Dickens website, and there's all the information and more there for you all to read um, that I will mention, but 
he did not like America and he in fact wrote some of these America parts, some of these critical points that he had about the country and the people in it um, into the book. Indeed, there is a travel to America, a trip to America in the book and this book, I didn't know this before reading it, but it is known as Dickens's America or American novel because of this trip that takes place in the book, uh, which again we'll talk about in the plot. This treatment and opinion of America outraged a lot of Dickens's American readers especially, who would have thunk, <laughs> um, and in that relationship with the book, with the American readers, with how the book was going, um, the serialization, the audience for that really started to drop off. And so it was not a very popular serialization. Dickens was not making a ton off of this and it was not selling a ton of copies as he would later do. But at this point in time, he was in pretty severe financial straits. His fifth child, his third son, was about to be born and he had already borrowed from his publisher to fund the 1842 America trip. I am sure that it cost a pretty penny, especially considering how long he was on the ship both times and his lodgings and transportation and everything. I can't imagine. Um, so in order to in increase or in order to remedy his financial situation, he wrote in December of 1843 during the Christmas season, A Christmas Carol, which was one of the first uh, fun fact novels by Charles Dickens that we reviewed on the podcast. I found this beautiful edition of A Christmas Carol um, a couple years ago, and we read through that on the show, and it was a really fantastic experience. I would recommend the Christmas Carol episodes. I'll link those in the description, but you can also go to the December Dickens series page on our episodes list, on our show list, um, and all of the Dickens episodes that we do, even if they're not in December, are listed there. So, really interesting biographical situation with regard to this novel. Um, this is also, by the way, the first novel where he started to dictate plot events or dictate parts of the novel in advance. Um, this is a process which he will further develop and continue to work on in his next novel, Dombey and Son, and then continuing on. This is also kind of a bookmark for Dickens in his like more lighthearted comical works. Um, there's kind of like eras of Dickens's writing that we can point to and it's kind of similar to a lot of jazz musicians like Coltrane for instance, like there's eras of Coltrane's playing where he does like more bebop in one area of his life and then like more contemporary like experimental stuff later and so like there's the same with Dickens, we're looking at Dickens by thematic periods in his life and so this book definitely bookends a lot of the earlier novels which we have somewhat reviewed on the show. There's 
about 10 novels that we haven't reviewed. Some of them are not like novels, quote unquote, but they're compilations or things of that nature. So we read about two thirds from my immediate recollection of all of Dickens's work. Um, and so if you think about the previous lighthearted stuff that he's been writing, Pickwick Papers, for instance, which is the novel that we're going to look at next. And I'm super excited because that's a fun one. Um, Oliver Twist, not so lighthearted, honestly, but uh, you get the, the tone of the novel. Um, Nicholas Nickleby, Old Curiosity Shop, Barnaby Rudge, like all these are like compared to especially like David Copperfield, Bleak House, Hard Times, like A Tale of Two Cities, like completely different worlds in terms of Dickens's tone and like the way that he's writing than the later novels. So this just in addition to all the biographical information previous bookends a big chapter in Dickens's writing. Let's talk about some plot. So the plot is really, really simple in terms of the overarching plot, but you could get into all the nitty gritty as we did with the Bleak House series. Such a fun series. Um, we will talk about some other lit <laughs> in a minute. Um, before I get uh, too riled up about other lit, but it's about Martin Chuzzlewit Sr. There's two Martin Chuzzlewits, by the way. <laughs> One is the older, he's like a grandpa kind of figure, and then his nephew, um, Martin Chuzzlewit Jr., is the one where the book really follows. So old Martin Chuzzlewit is pretty jaded. He has estranged himself from all of his relatives, and he's taken on a young female companion slash nurse named Mary Graham. And he has decided everybody is greedy. Everybody in the family wants my money. There's a ton of family members. There's like 15 family members, which we won't go over in their individual auspices, except for a couple of them. Um, and this particular disposition towards life is expertly demonstrated in the opening scene of the novel where Martin Chuzzlewit and his companion Mary come to this inn and there's we get a lot of like introductions to various characters. Mr. Pecksniff, who is kind of the main relative that is greedily pining after old Chuzzlewit's money, he comes to meet Martin Chuzzlewit at the inn. Then there's a family meeting later, but Martin Chuzzlewit is like in this kind of strange stupor. He seems ill, seems like he's about to die. Um, and Mary is kind of reviving him and she's saying, yeah, this has happened to him before. And Martin Chuzzlewit, you know, takes a piece of paper almost as if he's writing a will right before he dies. And then when he recovers, he burns it. But the, with the candle uh, near his bedside. So, you know, it's a very like dramatic first scene that definitely caught my attention, I will say. And that's one of the key scenes that sticks out in recent memory um, from the novel. Because it's so good at characterizing the main themes of the book within this first opening scene, which is just such a nice thing for a reader. <laughs> and there are some books that like, chaotically mix up themes until the very end, which is also great, 
but it's so nice having these themes like greed and suspicion and trust or lack thereof as like main the main centerpieces of this opening scene mr paxniff is a quote-unquote architect he steals his underlings designs his apprentices designs um, and coins them as his own in order to quote-unquote work he's kind of like this big talker but he doesn't do anything really and all of the things that he accomplishes are at the hands of tom pinch who is his main assistant or like main apprentice tom pinch has a lower societal ranking than paxniff supposedly paxniff because of all of his all of his falsehood and deceit one could argue about the legitimacy of his social standpoint because he makes it seem better than it is. Um, but Tom Pinch is the real heavy lifter when it comes to all of Mr. Pecksniff's doings. So this is a good thing to file away for later. After the opening scene, we learn, after all the family gathering everything, we learn that Young Martin Chuzzlewit has been estranged from his grandfather. The details of the estrangement or the reasons behind it we learn much later in the book, but essentially young Martin Chuzzlewit falls in love with Mary Graham and old Martin Chuzzlewit doesn't like this. He seems to find it dishonorable, um, especially as young Martin you know, hasn't really like worked or done anything for himself, and so Martin Young Martin estranges himself and uh, has decided, I'm going to prove myself, I'm going to make something of myself, and after that point, I'm going to propose to marry independently. Although it would be great to have grandpa's, or it would be great to have old Martin Chuzzlewit's uh, blessing. Young Martin Chuzzlewit goes to Paxniff and they form a pseudo-relationship which later gets broken, uh, pretty much over the same reasons, Mary Graham, um, because Mary and old Chuzzlewit start to visit him in order, uh, as we find out much later in the book, to test Paxniff to see whether he's actually a genuine figure or whether he is the same character of lies and falsehood and deceit that old Chuzzlewit knows him to be. Spoiler alert, <laughs> Mr. Paxniff hasn't changed at all. He's a complete farce. Um, Martin takes a friend from an inn uh, who is working at an inn. His name is Mark Tapley, and they two embark on an America trip together, and it's terrible. They end up buying, like, they spend, like, all of Mark Tapley's money on buying this land in this place called, like, Eden or something like this. And it's completely undeveloped. It's, like, in the middle of, like, the south. Like, they go through the mist, they go, uh, through the continent, like down on the Mississippi River to reach it. So I'm assuming it's like in the geographical southeast of America. Uh, and it's terrible. Like it's disease ridden. There's like nobody there who's well enough to like work or develop the land at all. They have like this shack that they both lie ill in for weeks and then they, they have to borrow money in order to get back to England. So they get back to England unsuccessful. 
America trip and this section I'll mention is such a small section when compared with the the expectation of saying this is Dickens's America novel like this section is short it's very very intense but at the same time it's um not a huge bulk of the novel or the plot at least in my opinion in my reading um I had a really hard time with this novel which I'll talk about at the end of the episode um but this was one of my not so sore points but this was one of the items of interest for me <laughs> while I was reading like why is this the American novel why why is my edition have an American flag on it <laughs> when there's only like a hundred pages about America um I thought actually Dickens's interpretation of things in America wasn't too bad I mean I'm assured that hundreds of years ago that would have been such a slap in the face because of the way that language worked back then. Um, people weren't generally as direct and they didn't use as derisive language um, as what we would call derisive. Um, but at the same time I thought that a lot of his interpretations of American life were scarily accurate and almost to the point of parody like kind of funny. Um, not to say that you know what he was saying back then didn't do damage um, and that's something that I have been thinking about over the course of the last few months of taking um, this time away from the novel is what impact Dickens had on the individual relationships um, to America at that time of his readers um, and whether he not whether he had the right to do that but whether he was really the best person or in the best position um, to do that, especially considering that he later returned to America um, to do all these readings and America played, at, if not a major role, a role in his popularity um, at that time. So there's a lot of considerations with that. And I think from the modern day reader's perspective, at least from my perspective, I tried to take it as lighthearted as I could, um, but also I took a lot of care to reflect on and notice the critical points, for example, of slavery that Dickens incorporates. Dickens was very, very critical of slavery, and there is a lot of interaction at the beginning of their America trip with uh, enslaved people, and that, of course, is a critique point and a part of American history that we should take seriously as readers or at least something that I took very seriously. Um, so there's a lot of this historical information that definitely has a weight to it when I was reading um, and when the novel first came out as well. So the America trip aside, a lot happens, but it's like minute little details, a lot of which are like certain reveals, which I've already talked about when I say like it, this is revealed at a later date, like this is the point at which it's revealed. Martin ends up trying some other occupations. Um, there's another family member named Anthony Chuzzlewit and his father dies. Um, and he's like also terrible and greedy and 
he has all these other ploys that also end up getting disrupted. Um, so he plays a role in changing the plot and driving the plot throughout the novel as well. Um, but at the end, Mr. Pecksniff's deceit is revealed. Old Martin Chuzzlewit says, I wasn't demented. I was um, just acting the whole time and I was trying to see if you were actually honest and you're not. Uh, and then he says, Martin, I really appreciate like all the work that you've done. <laughs> and he ends up consenting to having Martin marry Mary Graham and Anthony Chuzzlewit is, you know, put away and there's a bunch of stuff that happens and which also involves Mary, I should say. Mary is kind of like this character that every like ma lead male character is like somehow attracted to or wants to get involved with romantically. So Mary, unfortunately, ends up also being a catalyzer of a lot of this like disruptive, crazy plot. Let's get into some of my personal interpretations or readings of this book. I found this book really difficult to get into. Once I started reading in the opening scene, started developing a bit more, I had an easier time, but the first hundred pages were a lot more difficult for me to read than the average novel and indeed the average Dickens novel. It moves super slow, like it moves slow and there's, for me, I didn't see why all of these different like family members and characters mattered and they do matter for the minutia of the book, um, but there's not a clear explanation as to why until much later. So I think something that I was challenged with is that the book develops almost like a mystery where like there's a bunch of like problems at the beginning and then the problems evolve over time and you finally get answers to them much later in the book. Um, but yeah, I found that it was really, really tough to start reading this. Um, I would recommend trying to get through the first 100 pages as fast as possible <laughs> uh, with this one. That's typically my strategy for a book like this. Um, so I just really tried to hammer <laughs> through the first 100 pages and it got much more interesting um, for me after that. I'm sure other readers have different strategies or ways of reading this and I'm sure other readers have definitely different experiences when it comes to reading a book like this. but. For whatever reason, maybe it was the wrong time that the book met me or something like this, or maybe my attention wasn't as prolonged as normal. I don't know, uh, but I had a difficult time to get into and read this book. I had a similar difficulty with The Tale of Two Cities, actually, and that was a book that I really, really struggled to get into the entire time I was reading it. So thankfully, this book with the plot, with all the funny characters, uh, really got my attention after a while <laughs> and especially like you know the America part I was like yes finally like we're moving forward um there's a lot that happens in shorter spans of time unlike at the very beginning of the book this is also a book because of how long and how much I struggled to get into the book um I would say that this is a book that I would like to revisit in a couple years, um, or maybe even next year, we'll see. 
Um, I try not to make like promises about re-reviewing books because who knows what books I'll get to review, uh, when and why. <laughs> but in terms of books that I want to read again, learn more about, have a second go at, this is like ranks top in my list. Like there's a couple others, but I would really like to have a second go at this book. I think I would have a lot more to lend to the book if I tried it again and just kind of went at it again. Um, I enjoyed it, you know, it wasn't like this book was completely boring or something like that. I really actually enjoyed it. It just took me such a long time and I have, again, a, a sneaking suspicion that it just wasn't the right timing for me to read the book. I read it, full disclosure, during finals, um, which is probably not the smartest move out there. Um, but I was so excited to read the American novel and it was just, yeah, that is what ended up happening. Something that I started to think about more when I read this book was how much of a time capsule Dickens wrote within his books. Like so many of the different fashions, the different events, the different traditions, items, uh, dispositions that Dickens wrote into his books are time bound. They're like, it's almost encyclopedic the way that Dickens incorporates all of the different fashions of the Victorian era, um, especially the funeral scene. Um, there's a funeral scene when Anthony Chuzzlewit's father dies and they hire a bunch of mourners. And this was a practice in the Victorian era to make uh, funeral, uh, the person whose funeral it was, I suppose, to make them seem like they were more beloved and more uh, attended to, or maybe like had more relatives than they did, um, to make them kind of seem like a bigger deal. And the funeral goers, like these hired funeral people, were often very disruptive and drunk, and they would take advantage of the people who were paying them um, for the alcohol and things of this nature. So, you know, like that's just one aspect. There's also a cocktail that this book is known for, which I didn't know. Let's see if I can pull that up really quick. Um, yes, the Sherry Cobbler, um, which Dickens had tried in his trip to America and the drink is recreated. You can look at one of the Charles Dickens links. The Life and Adventures of Martin Chuzzlewit is the page title in the description to learn more about all that. And something else that I really got into after reading this novel was, oddly enough, Dickens's children. Um, when I heard that this was his fifth child and third son, I knew Dickens had a lot of kids. He really did. I think he had like 10. <laughs> Um, I was like reading up a, about a lot of his kids and they ranged from being police people to successful lawyers. Um, you know, there's just like a ton of different um, personalities and occupations in his children. So I would also recommend uh, going down a little bit into some of his children um, because I really enjoyed that deep dive into who his kids were and uh, what they accomplished in their lives. Some other literature, I'd highly recommend Nicholas Nickleby. This is um, a book that I think it was his fourth novel, if I'm not mistaking. Also in this kind of lighter period that Dickens had in his first six novels. 
and so so enjoyable that is such a fun book to read nicholas nickleby highly recommend it's also the last dickens book that we reviewed on the show i'd highly recommend pickwick papers uh, again this is the quote-unquote first novel that dickens um published and it is also similarly fantastic um i really loved bleak house as well that's a book from dickens's late ouvoir and a book that i would recommend reading along with our series on bleak house which we did two years ago in 2021 all right y'all thank you so so much for listening to this episode it was a long one i know that but that's uh what dickens dickens books are long so (laughs) it's just the way that it goes sometimes with dickens but i hope you enjoyed nonetheless tell me what you thought about charles dickens um, and his relationship to this novel biographical information what I left out of the plot summary. There's so much that I left out and this novel is just like so complex and so long to do a detailed plot summary in a reasonable amount of time. Um, Tell me about how you feel about his comments on America. Did you take them lightheartedly like parody as I did or did you think that they uh, were more critical and more harsh than I interpreted them as? So let me know in the comments under the show notes, relevanceofliterature.com slash notes for this episode. See you next week. If you enjoyed the episode and would like to hear more from us, we've done everything from Shakespeare to Dracula. There really is a show and a series for everyone, so I'd recommend checking out our website at relevanceofliterature.com under the ongoing series tab for links to our entire back catalog of episodes, as well as any current goings-on of our show. If you are looking for even more content, we also have a Patreon page at patreon.com slash relevanceofliterature. Thank you so much for your support, and we'll see you next time.